Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Just worked himself into a lather this morning, filling in on the morning show with Jonathan Peterman. So Andy's not here today with us. That'll happen. You know, sometimes you got to move around, do what you got to do. That'll That'll happen. You know, (laughs) again, some days you want to wake up early. You want to get your work out of the way. So we just came in and did a show. Right. You know, it's like I'm up at three. I think I'll just come in and do a show. I'll just come in. I'll get my work done for the day, and then I can spend the rest of the day goofing off. Daryl's going to join us momentarily. Mitch Spinell is the new producer on the morning show. And Mitch, you know, one of the fine young talents we have working here at the station. I check in with him a couple of times a week. How's it going? Okay. How's your sleep pattern? That's all right. Um, you, you doing okay? Yep. What time are you getting up? Uh, 3.30, 4 o'clock. <laughs> I'm sorry. Morning, it, morning radio just makes me want to cringe. Ken it's and, just a Ken different Anthony, lifestyle. Congratulations to you. I don't know how you guys pull it off. I don't know how they do it either. As know. somebody who has issues sleeping to begin with, that whole idea of like, oh, yeah, I got to make sure I'm in bed by like nine. It's like, you know, I, I've it's unbelievable. To yeah, me. I, I can't do that. I, I, I've worked late nights too long that I just I can't go to bed. If I go to bed before like 1030, it's really early for me. Yeah. I don't. I don't know how the morning guys do it. About eleven, eleven thirty, possibly midnight. You know, those are the ones I end up doing. Way to, way to push the envelope. We were just talking about Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears and the quarterback situation, and, and it's going to be a real interesting off season with quarterbacks, and, and certainly not just Justin Fields, because the free, the free agent market has some interesting guys: Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield, Ryan Tannehill, um, Joe Flacco, of course. Now let's bring in our guy who's brought to us by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. He is Daryl Ryder. Hello, Daryl. What's up, bud? What's happening, guys? Uh, my thought is this, and, and before we move on to some other things, we were talking about Justin Fields. If the asking price for, for Justin has dropped, as some folks are reporting, and, and some folks have said even a third-round pick, which, I, I boy, I, that sounds really low to me. I want your thought on that. But if it's a third-round pick and you're a team like the Browns, couple of others who might need a backup quarterback, but clearly you have a starting quarterback. Would you? No. Explain why. Uh, you have Deshaun Watson. You have all your money invested there. So, uh, no. Uh, Justin Field will probably go somewhere where he can actually play. I would so. think that's the case, too. Let me throw this at you, though. If this is a prove-it year for Deshaun Watson, and if, if the Browns, and there are a lot of ifs here, if the Browns are going to look at this year and think, okay, it went beautifully, we're set. Or it didn't go well. We have two years under contract with this guy. What are we going to do? Would you want to have a guy in place who could be the next quarterback? Or, Daryl, would having that guy in place just mess up the locker room and mess up everything this coming year for the Browns? I, I didn't realize Justin Fields to the Browns was even a conversation to be had. <laughs> Well, Justin Fields to somewhere is a conversation to be had, which is why I understand. But Justin Fields to Cleveland was not on my bingo card this offseason. No, that's that's okay. But that's what I'm wondering: if the price keeps dropping, should it be? 
That's, no, that's I mean, my you, you're, you're all in with Deshaun. You, you, you cannot, th- this is not the year to make the, what if Deshaun, uh, that th- this isn't the year to do that. So now, no, next year, different conversation, but this year, no, you have to allow this year to play out and whatever quarterback move you make this year has to be, okay, what can we do to insulate ourselves in the event something happens to Deshaun again? Um, so uh, I, I think that, you know, Justin Fields would kind of create a little bit of a problem there. Um, and I, I don't and know. Competition how. you might not want. Y- yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I just, I don't think that's a hornet's nest you want to be shaking right now. Now, again, if, if we're a year down the line, right, this is 2025 and Deshaun does not have the type of season that everybody wants, expects, needs him to have, the conversation's completely different. Then it's, okay, how, how do you get out of this thing as seemly as possible? Uh, you know, how do you, uh, you know, uh, you know, prepare yourself to move on uh, from Deshaun and things like that. But we are nowhere near that bridge just yet. So, yeah, I, I think the Justin Fields conversation, it, it, it's fun, but I think uh, the reality of it is next to none. And uh, the practicality of it also uh, at this point doesn't seem to align. When they look for a backup quarterback, Daryl, do you think it'll be somebody who has got a similar skill set to what Deshaun Watson does, or will they go the route of a Jacoby Brissett again, or you know, as everybody would want around here, the Joe Flacco type of thing, where okay, we got to evolve this thing, but this is a proven veteran backup quarterback. Uh, they have not allowed that to impact their decision making process uh, as far as the backup quarterback goes. You know. Um, I, you know, DTR is, I, I think, with that in mind. And, you know, there, there's a chance they go into 2024 with DTR as the number two. There, um, you know, I think he's kind of a little bit of a forgotten man in this whole e- equation. It's part of the reason they drafted him last year. Not, not so that he would actually play, but he could develop behind the scenes and, and things like that. So let, let's not forget DTR in this equation is a potential number two. Um, it, you know, as far as a veteran presence, I, yeah, I, I'm not caught up in the whole skill set thing. Uh, you know, you, you look at uh, year one with Deshaun, it was Jacoby Brissett, who is not uh, a similar player uh, to Deshaun in any way, shape, or form, right? Um, you know, th- this past season, you know, they, Joe Flacco, nowhere near the same type of player as Deshaun. And granted, that was a break the glass in case of emergency type of a situation there uh, in bringing him in in November. But um, I don't think that they're all that caught up in, uh, you know, we have to find a Deshaun Watson clone uh, to be the number two quarterback. But if that is a requirement, well, they probably have that kid already in-house in DTR, and it's it's basically a matter of getting him – uh, comfortable and developed enough so that, you know, n- when he steps back on the field, if needed, he's a lot more prepared. He's a lot more polished and, uh, you know, the, the results end up being uh, a lot better, which again, we saw that last season, right? I mean, his first start against Baltimore was an unmitigated disaster because he found out, you know, two and a half hours before kickoff, wasn't prepared for that. Uh, his, his second start, 
he looked a lot better. You, you saw improvement there. So, again, don't discount DTR as uh, the number two quarterback because that's a big reason why they drafted him was to eventually be their number two. Daryl, I, I love that idea. To be perfectly honest, I think, it, I think it's great because, A, doesn't cost you a ton, and, B, you're developing a young guy who you hope can step in and be with you for a really long time. Do you think anything he did last year changes the way the front office thinks about him? No. Because they look, they they look at it different, right? I mean, uh, fans, us, you know, we're looking at results. We're uh, they're looking at it differently. Um, and, and again, he wasn't supposed to play at all last year, and he he got kind of thrown to the wolves, if you will. So, uh, and again, I realize that's that's part of life in the National Football League and pro sports in general. You never know when your number gets called, you're a play away, but or two, uh, but. Uh, no, I don't think that that changes the calculus of Andrew Berry in the front office as far as what they uh, uh, feel, believe, uh, project when it comes to DTR's future. And you said it. Um, you know, the, they're paying him next to nothing. Yeah. And, and, and Daryl, for it, whatever it's worth, the preseason, I thought he did a really nice job. Yeah, he did. And, and again, I, I think that that, fir- that first Baltimore game would have gone a lot better had he found had he been prepared in the middle of the week for it. Right. Um, and had the practice time leading up to that game to get those reps. I mean, his first reps with the first-team offense came during the game. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I realized not an ideal situation, and your job is your job to, you know, to, to, to perform in less-than-ideal conditions. But, I, I mean, I, I can't really fault him for having a bad game in his debut. And, again, I think you have to give him credit because the second time out, he was – he was much better. Daryl Ryder joining us. He's our Browns beat reporter. Covers everything in Cleveland for us, as a matter of fact. I have two I'll more. be at the Cavs game tonight. I, I, we're going to talk a little Cavs with you in a second. I have two more line questions for you. One on the offense. Do you think all three of the tackles that played last year, the key guys who got hurt, Dewan Jones, Jedrick Wills, Jack Conklin, are they all back next year? Uh, yeah, I think okay. so. All right. And with, with who is the backup? Uh, Jones. Wow. Okay. Well, you're 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 paying Wilson Conklin, yeah, uh, thirty million combined. You're you're going to play those guys. Are they trade candidates? Um, mm, I don't think you want to go that route. Con- considering what you went through last year, there's there's no such thing as having a, a, enough good offensive linemen. And you know, you got a taste of what Dewan Jones brings to to the table as a rookie last year. It's unfortunate that it, his season ended due to injury, but Here's the thing, too. Jed Wills is up uh, after this season, right? So when you look at big picture, uh, that problem solves itself. Dewan Jones then slides in there, and or it, you know, and you, you problem solved there. So now uh, it's not the worst thing that you go in with three starting tackles, and as you saw last year, Jeff, they went through all of them. So um, I, I'm. I'm pretty confident that those three guys uh, are, are going to be here uh, this season. Browns have some holes on the defensive line. and Yeah, just a few. <laughs> a, a few. Darn that free agency that's coming up. Don't you hate that? <laughs> it, it were, I thought they did a great job last year, Daryl, bringing in some qualified veteran players who stepped in and did a really nice job and gave Jim Schwartz what he needed. Now, here, here's yeah. the question. You have the holes. Are, are the – 
guys to fill the holes, the same guys who were here last year? Are they locked into Shelby Harris and Mo Hurst and Zadaria Smith and you want to get them back? Or do they just need to go get guys who can do the same thing that those guys did? Well, that's the that's the challenge for Barry right now because, you know, they, they went out and they traded for Zadaria Smith. He's uh, among the unrestricted uh, free agents uh, that, you know, they have to make a decision on. Maurice Hurst, Shelby Harris, also unrestricted free agents. Jordan Elliott, let's not forget about him. Sure. So you've got three defensive tackles in your starting defensive end. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, that are uh, going to be unrestricted free agents. And there are, look, there, there are uh, decisions to be uh, made there. And, um, you know, Andrew Barry, to your point, he's done a really good job with the one-year contracts, right? Uh, you know, the, the really one-year nice. yeah. patch and the whole thing. Um, I, I, th- I think the next step for him is they need more long-term solutions up front as well, right? They, they signed uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, last year to a multi-year contract in free agency. So that's one. I, I really feel like that other defensive end spot opposite of Miles Garrett, they've got they've got to find a multi-year solution there. Um and, and again, Jadavian Clowney was great for one season. Unfortunately year two with him didn't go as as well as uh you know uh they would have hoped and and he wore out his welcome, right? Uh, and then you go out, you get a, a, a Zedaria Smith, uh, which you gave up nothing in a trade with Minnesota. Uh, and again, that's that's a credit to Andrew Berry filling holes without really giving up much uh, to do it. The other thing to keep in mind there, too, and, and to watch for is, you know, how, how they feel about Alex Wright. You know, is he ready um, with the time that he has already gotten, is he ready to step into a full-time role? Right? Is that an internal, um, is that an internal fix, if you will? Right? They maybe they don't need to go out uh, and and get a starting defensive end to to put opposite of Miles Garrett. That remains to be seen. Uh, I forgot Sam Kamara. I apologize. He's a uh, he's an exclusive uh, rights-free agent, so he's not going anywhere. Uh, another young guy, uh, you know, in the mix that they can, uh, you know, take a look at. Isaiah McGuire also as well. So, uh, you know, and, and Obo Okoronkwo, who got a uh, multi-year contract uh, last offseason. And we all thought that Obo was going to be the starter opposite Miles until – the Zadarius Smith trade opportunity came up. So, um, yes, there are needs up up front, Jeff. There's no question about that. But there's also the potential that uh, maybe Andrew Berry might feel like they already have in-house solutions for some of those uh, openings. All right, Daryl, you will be at the Cavs game tonight covering up for 92.3 The Fan, of course. What are you expecting to see out of the Cavaliers in the last third of the season? Well, they first things first, they got a ton of games in a very short window coming out of this All-Star break. Um, and if you look at the standings, I believe the Milwaukee Bucks have played four more games than the Cavaliers have played. Um, so they're going to they're going to make that up in the first two weeks, you know, coming out of uh, this particular uh, All-Star break. So uh, one thing I, the most important thing that I am looking for for them is J.B. Bickerstaff. Um, using the bench to lower the minutes for the starting uh, rotation, uh, you know, giving Donovan, you know, cutting Donovan Mitchell's minutes back a little bit, even though, 
okay, the minutes restrictions uh, for Mobley and Garland might be off. I'm looking for, uh, you know, those guys not to be overextended. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and he's just, he's got to kind of figure out how to keep this 10-man rotation fresh uh, and uh, engaged and making sure that everybody's getting some burn time. Uh, because, look, when it comes to the postseason, let's be honest about it, the rotation, that's going to get tightened a little bit. And then also, too, um, they're going to want to, um, you know, have options in the playoffs. That's that's the beauty of this of this bench. It, last year, they really didn't have a bench that produced for them. And so when you're talking about playing five and seven and nine and 14 days, you know, that's where that bench comes in because you don't want what happened last year in the postseason where it got <clears throat> to games four and five of that Knicks series. And Donovan Mitchell was pretty much gassed. Like he, he's, he's not LeBron James where you're going to play him all 48 minutes in the playoffs. Uh, and you're going to do that for every, every game and every round that you're in. Like that's just not how it works. So uh, JB keeping everybody engaged, keeping everybody hot, uh, keeping the minutes down uh, for his starters and still winning. Uh, that that's I think that they're you know that's where their priorities should lie as they go down the stretch here. Daryl, thanks, buddy. You bet, guys. Daryl Ryder, our Cleveland beat reporter, and he's brought to us by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Some thoughts on what Daryl had to say about uh, the Browns and some free agent stuff coming up after a 2020 from Andrew Hody. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Bell covers the Cleveland Guardians for MLB.com. And Mandy is going to join us at 1 o'clock right here on Baskin of Phelps. No Baskin today. Manigan instead. I'm Jeff Phelps. Daryl Ryder was just with us, and Daryl covers Cleveland sports for us as our beat reporter. Heavy focus on the Browns. And we just asked Daryl about three three things in particular that I, I want to discuss a little bit. We'd love your input if you'd like to make it. 216-474-0092. He said, don't discount Dorian Thompson-Robinson as the backup quarterback next year. And I asked, did the did anything that he did this year change the Browns' thinking? And he said, no. And I'm glad to hear that. I, I love the concept, okay, conceptually. You draft a guy in the fifth round, and you develop him, and he's your backup quarterback. When reality hit, Maybe he got off to a bad start because of that Baltimore game and got a, you know, didn't get a chance to get all the reps and all that. And as a rookie, that really hurt him. And he en- he eventually won a game, but went one and two as a starting quarterback this year. I, I like I like him. I think he's a, an interesting young quarterback. I can't say that he's a good young quarterback, Dan, because we don't really know that yet. No, he got tossed to the wolves. 
I, and the I next agree. couple times he found his way out there, you could tell the coaching staff didn't trust him to do everything that needed to be done. I do. I do think he's a really interesting prospect at quarterback. And you see guys get developed who are later round draft picks, and they end up being just fine as your backup quarterback. Economically, it's the way to go. And then you have a young guy who you might be able to have on your team for a long period of time without having to pay him an absolute boatload. And if you happen to get really lucky and you develop him into something like Green Bay did for years, you know, let's let's just say that it works out beautifully with Deshaun this year and he's terrific, but in two or three games he has to sit, DTR comes in and lights it up. Plays really well like Jake Browning did Mm -hmm. in, in place of Joe Burrow this year in Cincinnati. Well, then all of a sudden you have Mark Brunel. Exactly. Who the Jags are going to trade the Packers for. You're, you're going to have Matt Hasselbeck. New England with Brissett and Jimmy Garoppolo. The question is this. Is that okay? Can you go into the season and think, we're going to be good with DTR if Deshaun Watson goes down? That, to me, that's a big question. It really is. I hope so. I want them to kind of have that philosophy of like, okay, we can keep costs down. We can take that amount of money and invest it in defensive line, or we can invest it in other areas where we're going to need depth. The question that I have behind it is, okay, if the game is on the line in whatever form that this offense takes of Ken Dorsey and Deuce Staley and everybody else who came in here, Tommy Reese, who's going to help build a newer, a, a new offense that better fits Deshaun Watson and clicks the way that they want it to. Can DTR execute that at the level that they want it to be, or are they better off going, okay, here's the, the Deshaun Watson offense. We will run this with Deshaun Watson. If Deshaun Watson is gone, let's run this which is something that we've had in our back pocket and everybody knows how to run because it's going to be relatively, at least as of right now, it seems like it's going to be, all right, bring the gang on back on offense. You know, let's bring everybody back. We'll bring back Njoku. We'll bring back Cooper. We'll bring up the offensive line. We'll have the running back situation where it is. And we could fall back onto what we ran last year if we need to. Are you better off doing that? Or are you better off going, okay, here's our offense. Let's find somebody who can also run it in a very similar fashion to Deshaun Watson. And that's the question I have is because after watching DTR this season, you could clearly tell they did not trust him. Now, is that because he was a fifth-round draft pick who was a rookie? Or if that's really where he is and they're not going to be able to develop him any further? That's the question that I have behind all of this because Mm – Boy, they put a dome on that offense. I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I can tell you they didn't have him throw the ball more than 50 yards, I think, or 15 yards. I think it was like five times they had him throw a ball further than 15 yards down the field. That was interesting because he's he's got a strong arm. Right. I, I, think, I think it's an interesting thing to watch, and I'm curious to see what they're going to do here in free agency with a really interesting collection of free agent quarterbacks available. And if they if they don't, go get that veteran who is clearly, you know, the guy who would be the backup. Are are fans going to be in an uproar about that? And if you do go get that guy, do you care if you run the risk of maybe having to stash DTR on a practice squad and then have some other team take him? It's something that's going to have to play out this offseason. It's not not the biggest thing in the world. The biggest thing in the world is Deshaun Watson staying healthy and being your quarterback. No, you don't realize – you need a backup quarterback who is of some level of quality 
until your starting quarterback has a rolled ankle and has to miss a game or has the flu or has whatever else and has to miss it. And all of a sudden the backup quarterback comes in and you go, Oh no, this is not good. I now see why he was able to succeed in the second half of preseason games. Mm -hmm. Oof. I asked Daryl about the tackle situation. Dewan Jones, terrific. You know, a rookie stepped in, did a really nice job at right tackle, then he was injured and out for the year. Jack Conklin hurt early on, out for the year. Jack's had a couple of serious injuries. Can he return and, and be you know, back to health because he's a Pro Bowl caliber guy? And Jed Wills, first-round draft choice, I think gets a bad rap because he's not Joe Thomas. He's not the best left tackle in the biz, and he's not the worst either. He's fine. Daryl thought, Jedrick Wills, Jack Conklin, your starters, and Dewan Jones coming off the bench. I like that, In again, in theory, does that work? I think it could work. I mean, why Why would you wonder if it if it couldn't? Because Dewan Jones might be ready to be a big-time tackle in the NFL. Okay. That, that's agree. why. It's, it, that's it more than anything, that he showed that he can be better than either one of those guys. Maybe, I, maybe. And that's up to the Browns to evaluate. Of course, and I agree with you. I mean, he did he did an outstanding job at right tackle. He was really good. I don't know if he could turn around and play left tackle at the same way. We we all think that they could just turn around and do these things. The offensive lineman will tell you, no, the footwork's different. All the, the philosophies are different. The communication, all that stuff is all different. They can't just flop from side to side. But when it comes to Dewan Jones, like, yeah, I, I can see it. I think it's there. The talent is there. The problem is, is you've already got all this money locked up, and it's almost turned into like offensive linemen have almost turned into like relief where like starting pitching where it's like, if you think you have enough, go get more in the same way that's turned into offensive linemen. It's like, you think you have enough offensive linemen, go get more. And especially after last season, I would agree. Billy's in Oberlin. Hi, Billy. Welcome to the show. Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you? Well, thank you. Well, awesome. Uh, just two quick points, if I may. Uh, so Jeff, you made a comment about how, you know, Green Bay had a guy that kind of sat. He was a backup. You know, now he's doing well. But he was also a first-round pick. Uh, actually, um, I didn't mention Jordan Love. I mentioned guys that they took later, Mark Brunel and Matt Hasselbeck. Well, you did say those names after that, but I, it sounded like you were referring to Jordan Love. I, I wasn't. No, the, the, Packers wasn't. Had, the Packers had a long philosophy where every draft they would take a quarterback. Get a quarterback and develop Yeah, them. with the idea that they'll either bust out, be a backup, be trade bait, or be our starter. Right. And they I, did that for years I under wasn't, Ron Wolf. I wasn't thinking Love, nor Aaron Rodgers, who they did the same thing with. Okay, fair. Uh, and then the second point is, like, you know, you, you made a comment about how uh, the Browns haven't seen anything to kind of, like, dissuade them, right, from – DTR. Well, Daryl said that. Okay. But you were happy to hear that, correct? Yeah, I, I would love to see DTR become the backup quarterback because I think it, it solves a lot of issues. But I don't know I don't know if that's gonna happen, Billy. Well, of course it would solve a lot of issues, but my question is, you know, would it ultimately though or do you did he give you anything to feel like, hey, this guy could be a great or good enough backup quarterback? And Billy, that's the question that I don't know the answer to. I, I wonder if the Browns do. Do you think they? Did you see anything? I, I loved him in the preseason, but that's only preseason. Yeah, every every guy's uh, all pro in preseason. Um, no, I did not. I mean, he went one and two. Forgive me. Well, who who did he beat? What was the team? I have it right here. Hold on a second. 
Yeah, it's look, okay. He's he's the path of least resistant backup quarterback, and was sometimes Pitts, the path of least resistant isn't the best. It was way Pittsburgh, to go. thirteen to ten. Okay, which we know how awesome that offense was, right? So, like, it, yeah, it is a path of least resistance, but it's also the path that they chose and they have to stick to it because they drafted them. Billy, you know well, what I think is going to happen? I I, I think they're going to obviously keep DTR, and I think they're going to bring in a veteran quarterback and have him duke it out. And if DTR doesn't win the backup quarterback job, I think they'll either move on from him or run the risk of putting him on the practice squad and having him claimed by somebody else. That's what I think is going to happen. So then who's the vet that you want? Uh, Boy, there are a number of them. And, And Billy, thank you for the phone call. We've talked about it. There are a number. Flacco would be fine. Trubisky would be fine. Jimmy G would be fine. There, there are a lot of guys out there who are, are going to be looking for jobs. Jacoby Brissett would be fine. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there are a number of guys who could do that. And I wouldn't – perfect scenario for me, you get one of those guys, let them compete with DTR. If DTR doesn't win the job, you put them on the practice squad, and if you lose them, you lose them. That, that's my overriding thought on that. Anybody agree? 216-474-0092. It's Baskin and Phelps right here on The Fan. Guardians are in Goodyear, Arizona. There are jobs to be won. There are people out there covering such things. Mandy Bell is one of them for MLB.com. She covers the Guardians. She's going to join us in 17 minutes and 45 seconds right here on Basket at Phelps. I'm Jeff Phelps. Andy's not in today. He was in on the morning show today, filling in for Carmen or Lima. Which one? I think he was technically in for Carmen. Peterlin was in. So that means he was technically in for Lima? I think that's how it works. I don't know. I feel like it's interchangeable. Andy apparently only able to work with guys whose initials are JP. Well, you know, that's a good way to live life. They haven't steered him wrong yet. It's not a bad way to go. Um, So Andy's not here. But that was Dan Menigan. And Dan doing his work and Andy's work and everybody else's work today, which we really appreciate. We're going to talk to Mandy coming up at 1 o'clock. Uh, the new coach for that team up north, that'd be the uh, Michigan Wolverines, has already started trash-talking, apparently. Mm. And the 12-team college football playoff system officially has been adopted. Nick Wilson, Spencer German, cover it all. And uh, all the other college football headlines in their new Sons of the Shoe episode. It's at 923thefan.com on the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcasts. One thing that Mandy and everybody else dealing with in, in Goodyear and throughout spring training Major League Baseball has changed its uniforms for this year. (sighs) And now the new company is Nike, is it not? So they signed a deal with Nike, I think it was 2019, 2020, somewhere in there. Major League Baseball has always had a fascination with Nike having the rights to their jerseys. Yeah. And they have different pants this year um, and jerseys. But if you see some pictures of some of the players – in these pants, it looks like you can see material, whether it's pockets or not, I don't know. I don't think they're front pockets on baseball pants, but it looks like, like you know how pants have front pockets and they are inside you know, the outside layer of the pants. It looks like you're seeing pockets through the front of their pants. It's just material that's there, which makes you think, well, if I can see that, then these are see-through. 
it looks like it's the tucked in jersey because somewhat we're transparent. To, yeah, we're starting to see pictures. You think come it's in. the tucked in jersey? Is I what that is? Think that's what it is, which is right, also well, it looks concerning. Like, it looks like pockets. Oh does yeah. It not? Oh, these pants are see through. There will be nothing left of the the imagination of anybody who will be watching this season. If you are watching someone who enjoys a pair of underwear that has some color to it, you're going to see every bit of that color. It's it, these are leaving nothing to the imagination. And the players hate them, hate them, and have been vocalizing it to anyone who will listen. Uh, Stephen Nesmith wrote a great piece in The Athletic of players just going off on these uniforms and how bad they are. How bad they are. They're ca- cheap has been thrown out. Is that what they One, don't like? They don't like the material? The material, so it's it's supposed to be more breathable. The players claim that they don't feel like actual jerseys. They feel like you went to the team shop and bought the replica. And, and if you know what that's like, in this is not a knock, like giveaway jerseys mm-hmm. at, at ballparks, they're really light. Yes. And if you if you're familiar with with baseball pants in this day and age, some of them are really heavy and really thick. And players seem many players seem to prefer those. Dan, the light ones. I know I know baseball players just pitch those. They don't like them at all. And I think that seems to be the situation that's going on here. They're really light. They're more like. Baseball-looking workout pants that are really light. And baseball players are such creatures of habit that they can, uh, they're not wearing flannel anymore. But, you know. Well, and the other problem on top of it is if you've seen the numbers, or the numbers are massive, the letters are small. And so that's also causing some issues on top of it with people is the fact that the numbers look so much bigger than the letters do on the back of the jersey that it just looks off. And if players are saying they feel cheap, if you can see through the pants, <laughs> which is a problem. It can be problematic. Right. I mean, it's not exactly what you want. And players are calling them cheap and we're comparing them to the replica jersey compared to what they're used to. This is an issue. And it's to the point that the MLBPA has decided to chime in and go, uh, this is a problem. And we're going to need to get this fixed before the season starts because we can't have this. Can I uh, can I throw this one at you? It's a Nike product, correct? Correct. I'm not here to endorse Nike, but Nike makes pretty quality stuff. Other other manufacturers certainly do as well, but it might just be different. It might not be cheap. It might be light. It might be more giving. I I don't know. I, I'm certainly not wearing them. But I find it interesting that you, the word cheap was thrown out. Different I can buy. I, I can understand that. But cheap might be a little much. No? Especially for those players who might have endorsement deals with Nike. Well, They're the, saying that, look out. The <laughs> other problem that's come out of this is that it's gone hand-in-hand with Fanatics. And a lot of people who are have dealt with Fanatics and ordered things from Fanatics and all that stuff have had many a complaint when it comes to Fanatics. Uh, they're including things such as players' names being misspelt, uh, their own team names being misspelt. Like, that's the kind of stuff that you will get from Fanatics from time to time, and you'll see it blasted all over all of your social media accounts when somebody orders something. 
So now you're adding in that part of it that Fanatics, you know, Nike is making the uniforms, Fanatics are putting the names on them, doing all that kind of stuff. And so you've got all these people then blasting Fanatics for all the terrible things that have happened in the past on top of the fact that Nike has now put out these jerseys that are causing serious issue. I mean, Tony Clark, the executive director, said Tuesday morning uh, he was meeting with players that he's frustrated with the uniform. Following up by saying, anytime there's change, there's an adjustment period. Sometimes that adjustment period goes well. Sometimes not so much. In this instance, there appears to be some misses that could have otherwise not been misses. (laughs) Taylor Ward of the Angels quote, it looks like a replica. It feels kind of like papery. It could be great when you're out there sweating. It may be breathable, but I have That's the thing. That's... That might be the case. The see-through transparent aspect could be a problem. But I haven't had the opportunity to try that out yet. This is Taylor Ward, uh, an outfielder for the Angels. But from the looks of it, it doesn't look like a $450 jersey. So, so far, thumbs down. See, that's the the one thing about it. The the thick, heavy you know, baseball uniforms that I mentioned to you. Sorry, in, in the middle of the summer, when it's 90 degrees, they're not they're not ideal, but neither is being able to see through pants and jerseys. But on this part, on top of it, Jeff, I don't remember us having a freak out over Nike taking over the NFL jerseys. I don't remember, and maybe I'm off. Maybe you could think of some time that it took place, but like outside of, of course, of like the new Browns logo. Uh, I'll throw one at you. All that kind of stuff. You remember when the NBA replaced its basketball with a with a different version? Oh yeah, and Steve Nash complained that it was cutting his fingertips. Exactly right. And what did the NBA do? Went right back. Exactly. But what did the NBA do this last year? Change basketballs again. Manufacturers. They went to Wilson, I believe. Mm-hmm. But is it? I mean, is it still a leather basketball? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Out of Wilson? Yeah. Well, because the whole thing with it is they went to that composite. They went to the composite was, yeah. indoor-outdoor type of thing. Exactly. Which are really nice if you're going indoor-outdoor. You have a basketball that has more of a leather feel to it. If you're actually indoors, why wouldn't you go to a leather basketball? I mean, I'm getting texts from buddies telling me how garbage Fanatics is and sending me pictures of their stuff. <laughs> <laughs> are they playing Major League Baseball in uh, those no, uniforms? No, they are not, but, but he does exercise a good amount. Well, see, there you go. So... This is the kind of stuff that it's like, especially when you're baseball, like, why are you messing with this? Why are we changing this? Why are, why are we doing this without the players having any kind of involvement whatsoever? Because you'd think you would be like, okay, we're going to try this new uniform out in the off season here. Let's bring in Mike Trout. Let's bring in Corbin Carroll. Let's bring in Jose Ramirez. Let's bring in all these guys and let's have them put these on and run around for a little bit and then give us their thoughts. Like, why aren't we, you know, why isn't Nike out even right now going like, okay, this is a trial balloon. We're going to give this a whirl. Let us tell us what you think. We can alter so that when the season starts up, we can either go back to the old uniforms or we can tinker with this enough that we have something that's good for you guys. <laughs> like, keep it as a trial balloon instead of going like, oh, no, 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 this is it. You're just going to have to deal with it. And then getting the union involved and then having all, because it's just so baseball. We're like the NBA. The players are like, ah, yeah, this is cutting my fingertips. Can we go back to the old ball? And the NBA was like, yeah, we can go back to the old ball. Yeah, so we, we can figure do that. This out. No issue at all. Major League Baseball, of course, is sticking their hand, knee, you know, heels right into the dirt and concreting them in and going, we're not changing them. There's no conversation here. Stop it. That's really annoying when you do that. I like it. I know. 
<laughs> and so is baseball when it comes to things that are easy oh, to fix. Oh, look at there. This is easy. You see the way we turned that right around there? That was beautiful. I, I They'll figure it out. Right? And and if they're if they're as transparent as they kind of appear to be in some pictures, it will become a problem, and it will be a problem that Major League Baseball doesn't want to deal with. So they will get that fixed. If they don't, and you want to protest, for all the Major League Baseball players out there, and if anybody's listening knows a few, feel free to pass this on. My suggestion is to find the loudest undergarments you can and proceed to wear them. <laughs> like, buy up the loudest uh, underpants you can find. Lime green. Put Red polka dots. Put political statements on them. Oh, goodness. Free goodness. Tibet right across the back of it. Like, just go absolutely berserk because that's how you're going to fix this is you just need to make an absolute and total mockery out of the entire ordeal. Oh, look, there goes Shohei Otani running across in bright pink with purple polka dots. That's nice. Looks good with that Dodger blue. <laughs> that's funny. It would be perfect. That's really You'd funny. get the Unis back like that. Regardless, uh, no matter who makes them, we will have players wearing jerseys that say Guardians across the front. And some of the questions, who's going to be playing shortstop? Anybody else in line to maybe be a starter if somebody's not good to go? Who might that be? What's going to happen with Kyle Manzardo? Is he going to be the DH? Can he play first base? Is Josh Naylor going to be the first baseman? Could Josh be in the outfield? There are a lot of things going on, and we have a person who's going to join us who's going to have some of those answers. It's Mandy Bell, MLB.com. She covers the Guardians, and she's coming up next right here on Baskin and Phelps. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 